Blog Talk Radio. Mother's Day to everybody out there uh, a little day early, but however you listen to the show, we want to thank you for listening, however, wherever, whenever you listen. I'm your host, John Robb, and we have a very exciting show for you today. One hour coming to you. We are first going to kick it off with author Don DJ Donaldson. He's going to be talking about his latest book, and then we are going to bring you author Stacy Green. Um, she's a reschedule that I kind of screwed up on a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and so at least we were able to get her on, which is really good, too. So sit back, relax, and enjoy, and we have a fabulous show for you coming up. We also want to let you know that all of our stories, or all of our shows, are brought to you by Kensington Books, so make sure that you visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information on all of their books that they have, and of course, the latest issue of the magazine is out. If you want it, send us a copy, or send us an email, and we'll send you a copy, and of course, make sure that you can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever else you get podcasts. It's out there wherever, so thank you again. So let's jump right into our first guest. His latest book is called Assassination at Bayou Sauvage. It is his eighth book in his series of Brassad and Franklin. So this is the first time we've been able to speak with him again, uh, so it's very exciting. So Don DJ Donaldson, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing today? Hey, thank you for asking me. Um, so again, your latest book, and we'll just do, you know, we're just going to jump right into it. So your latest book here is in book eight, um, in your Broussard, in your Broussard Franklin um, series, and it's Assassination at Bayou Sauvage, and like a lot of your, you know, forensic books taking place, you know, this is New Orleans, and New Orleans is a very, very, you know, rich city with history and a lot of, lot of stories that, you know, can come out of New Orleans. I've been down there a couple times. It's a very fascinating city. So. Tell us about um, this book, and then we'll kind of get back into, since it's book eight, we've got a lot we can talk about through one through seven. So what do you have going on here in this latest one? Okay, I think the best way to do that is to just set the opening scene for you. So my main, character, my main character, Andy Broussard, the hugely overweight New Orleans medical examiner, is sitting at a picnic table across from his Uncle Joe. And they're in, as you said, Bayou Sauvage. This is a national wildlife refuge on the outskirts of the city. The occasion uh, is a picnic celebrating Uncle Joe's 80th birthday. Suddenly, in the middle of the conversation, Joe's head explodes. Hearing a gunshot, Broussard looks to the right. There, out in the swamp, 200 yards across the water, is a boat. In it stands a lone figure with a rifle. The nearby park rangers scramble for their boat and are soon speeding toward the killer. Before they reach him, he drops his rifle, produces a pistol, shoots himself in the head, and drops dead into the water. Several hours later, after Broussard has had a chance to examine the killer's body in the morgue, he comes to believe that 
much of what he saw after Joe was shot never really happened. Now, if so that sounds confusing, uh, if that no, sounds confusing it sounds to you, that it's and, like, yeah, I'm sitting there like, no, keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine how Broussard felt. Yeah, because, I mean, you, got, you, you basically got two dead bodies in the first ten pages, and the mystery kicks it off because now all of a sudden it's like, well, what you thought you saw at the beginning is not actually what happened. So let's roll with the, you know, with the with with the rest of the 350 pages and let's see what we got going on here. Exactly. So when you have it, and so so let's do this. So when you kind of have an explosive beginning like that, and you kind of bring that out, and all of a sudden, you know, fans, um, because a lot of you know authors write books. You know, you don't need to jump into page one you, or to series book one. You can go to book eight and you can read this and you can kind of jump in because, you know, you kind of write them as, you know, kind of standalones, even though, you know, the series, you know, continues, you know, one through eight. So when you were sitting down and thinking about putting this together and you wanted this kind of explosive beginning, did this kind of come organically? Was it something that you outlined? You know, what, what was kind of the thought process behind, you know, jumping the reader right into the first 10 pages and saying sink or swim, here you go? Well, the best part for me is the beginning. So I like to think, how could I begin this book? And I learned a long time ago that people these days, we live in an MTV generation, and it's, everything is bop, 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 bop. You can't waste a lot of time. People won't give you a lot of time. And, and I write right. scared. I always worry that uh, am I going to hold the reader's attention? And so it's my utmost goal is to never let the reader go. And so I'm always trying to think of ways that I can uh, make them not want to uh, put the book down for a few minutes to go do the dishes or feed the dog or whatever needs to be done. Uh, I want to hold you as long as I can, all the way to the end if possible. Mm-hmm. Now, for fans that are just finding out about you and hearing about you for the first time, Let's get a little bit more in-depth look at exactly, you know, who is Broussard and who is Franklin. Uh, give us the skinny on these two. Well, Andy Broussard is uh, probably 60 years old, hugely overweight, New Orleans medical examiner, loves food, loves uh, antiques, uh, fine paintings, oil paintings, old master paintings featuring sheep. You say, why sheep? Well, probably because he... Uh, his life revolves around such dangerous, uh, awful things. He finds pastoral settings uh, of sheep a calming influence. He, uh, kind of odd for a man his size, he owns six 1957 T-Birds. You imagine, how could a guy that big ever get in a car that small? And everybody wonders that. And even when they see him do it, they wonder, how did he do it? So he can get in and out, and it's almost like watching a magician. Uh, you don't know how he did it but the effect is amazing. Now, he, would, he often thinks, well, you know, should I get a seventh? There's, he would love to have a seventh car. Then he'd have one for every day of the week. But in his <laughs> mind, six is abundance, but seven would make him eccentric. <laughs> it's that, seven, seven's that number. Seven's the one for every day of the week. It's funny because when you say that, I'm sitting there thinking, um, my 20-year-old daughter, she sat there one day and she goes, you know, I think I know I've made it when I can wear a new pair of socks every day. And I'm like, that's your goal. Your goal is to wear <laughs> a, a new pair of socks yeah. every day. So it's just funny, um, uh, you know, when you're creating characters and you kind of see, you know, how they kind of come out. But then you also have the investigator, you have Kit Franklin. So 
give us, you know, who's Kit? Well, Kit is uh, about 30 years old. She has a Ph.D. in psychology and originally came on the scene to be a, a psychological profiler for the police occasionally and also uh, be a suicide investigator for Broussard's office. And I, I invented her because I wanted a counterpoint to Broussard, who's lived a life uh, that most people can't imagine. I mean, he does the most horrible things every day. Uh, and then bring in a young, an attractive young woman and throw her up against uh, an environment that she's never seen before and just see what her reaction would be. And very quickly, the two strike a relationship that, to me, shows that that love is possible, and this is non-romantic love, is possible between an unrelated man and woman of vastly different ages. And Kit loves Broussard like a father, and he loves her like a daughter, but he can't tell her that. And she longs to hear him just say once that he appreciates her work. Uh, but like most men, he can't express his feelings. And so he, every once in a while, manages to find some act that he hopes is enough to show her that but she wants him someday to just say it mm-hmm. and that's sort no, of an ongoing we, theme in the books because he they get close to it and sometimes the conversations she'll try to egg him on into saying it and then he'll find some way to evade the question um and it's so uh, this is kind of something that's been going on for eight books God, yeah and and that's the thing i was going to ask is you know you you every book of course has you know murder or crime something you know and, and Something, of course, is being investigated, and and that's like the you know the major plot. But when you're running eight books like this, you also have the subplots that come in, which is the relationships and the things from the secondary characters, along with the main characters and how they kind of go. So when when you look back at kind of book one, can you kind of take us through a little bit that relationship, that subplot that kind of works with Broussard and Franklin, kind of leading up now into book eight for, you know, those readers that are just, like I said, that are just kind of finding out about you? Well, as you said, to me, uh, there has to be a character arc in every book. If your characters are the same at the end as they were at the beginning, you haven't really done your job. Now, all screenwriters know this. I'm not so sure all novelists know this, but I certainly am aware of it and and try to make sure that there is some sort of arc. Now, if you're writing a one-off, that is, a book in which there will not be a sequel – you can have a pretty big character arc. But if you're doing a series of books, you have to find little character arcs and constantly reveal new things about your characters that have, uh, the readers haven't known before, and maybe even the writer hasn't known before as you start thinking about what you're going to do. So part of planning each book is you have to figure out what's the, what's the for- big forensic issue that I want to explore, something really interesting. And then uh, I have to figure out uh, always know who did it and why in the beginning. And then I also have to think about what are, what is Broussard going to learn? How is he going to change during the course of this? What's going to happen to him? What's going to happen to Kit to make her different at the end? And so there's a lot that you have to think about before you even begin writing. Mm-hmm. And then you start getting into it. Now, Do you are you pretty much an organic kind of writer, or do you kind of have – a lot of the things outlined out already before you start hitting page one? I don't actually outline, but I do a lot of research because there's usually some forensic issue that I want to talk about uh, or some medical issue, and there's a really good one at the heart of this one. And so 
Uh, I have to research that. And then I think about the, the character arcs. And mostly it's just thinking and walking around and maybe not writing down much, except maybe the research for the medical or forensic aspect. And then uh, figuring out, how do I want to start? To me, that's the best part. What's that first sentence going to be? What's that first page going to be like? And then once you've started, then you know you're into it and you're ready to go. And, you know, I mean, for and I want to remind everybody that we're speaking here with author D.J. Donaldson, Don D.J. Donaldson, so, you know, because you write books under both names. Uh, I want to direct everybody to make sure that you go to dondonaldson.com for more information on all your books, including your New Orleans Forensic Mystery Series, which we're talking about now, which is Assassination um, by You Sauvage. Now, for also people who don't know, you know, your background, you're a retired professor in anatomy and neurobiology, so you're bringing a lot of education and a lot of experience to your characters and to your stories. And I always like to ask, you know, when, you know, because you have all that knowledge and then you're trying to fictionalize it and make it, um, uh, you know, uh, entertainment purposes for your books. And you have to take some liberties, and you kind of have to take some things. I mean, I've talked to authors where it's like, yeah, I can wait, you know, four, four weeks for DNA, but that the, the reader's not going to want me to wait four weeks in my book before <laughs> right. they find anything out. I can't do that. So you have to kind of take liberties, and you kind of have to make it to where the reader understands. How difficult is that for you to kind of have to fictionalize, you know, those things and speed up processes when you know that that's not really true? Well, the liberties are kind of hard for me because accuracy, uh, scientific and forensic accuracy, is something I pride myself on. And really, um, in this last book, there is a, a need for some DNA analysis, and I take advantage of the fact that you can't get it overnight. Uh, and so while you're waiting for it, you have to do other things and you have to cover other suspects. And so I've made it work for me. Rather than have to shade the truth and, and get it overnight, I can make the truth work for me. And is there any specific thing that you find more challenging than not when you're talking about a subject, whether you're talking about some of the forensics or, like you said, I mean, you know, the guy's head gets blown off, but then it's actually something different than what it is. You know, do, do you find those challenges? Because you know if you talk about it in certain terms that it's understandable, but for the reader it's not. Well, what I have to watch out for is sometimes I overdo the, the uh, uh, gory parts of it. Um, and I really – it's hard for me to pull back, and uh, many people have said that this is a great book, but uh, don't read it uh, just before eating lunch. And, and looking <laughs> back on some of those things, and I've learned that and sometimes it's just a matter of leaving out one sentence that I would planned to put in. Uh, I'm not going to pull mm -hmm. back totally because I think that's the fans of the series are looking for that reality. Uh, and so I want to be sure it's there. I want the smells. I want the sounds. I want the feel of the situation, uh, and if it's a horrid crime scene, you have to feel that it's horrid. So I don't want to pull back too far, but I have learned to maybe pull back a little bit uh, if it's just a tad too much. Yeah, yeah. I can understand because uh, in, just in talking, like I said, to a lot of the professionals, it is kind of one of those challenges. But when you look back at the series now and you, you're kind of looking forward, so you know you kind of go back – in, into the first book, and then you're kind of looking now into book eight as, you're, as this one just came out again. How do you kind of think the series has kind of progressed? Is it something that's kind of surprised you, or did you even think that you would even be into book eight at this time with these two characters? 
yeah, I never knew I would be in book eight. In fact, I never knew there would be a book two. When I wrote the first book, I didn't even think I was writing a series. But uh, an editor at St. Martin's acquired the book, uh, and then after they published it, he said he wanted another one. And I spoke to my then agent. I said, what should I do? And he said, well, a real writer would write another one. I said, well, I, that's what I want to be as a real writer. And so I started to work on number two. But as far as the evolution of the series, um, the editor at St. Martin's, the, the very first book is a strange book, and it's uh, – it had some uh, paranormal aspects to it, and, and my editor wanted that played up. And he didn't like the ending, and he wanted an ending more in line with the paranormal aspects of the book. And so uh, uh-huh. I came up with another ending, and uh, uh, he said he loved it, so that's what, uh, what we came out with. But then, uh, And then the book was so different that it got a lot of attention. It got a lot of uh, my editor, uh, my agent called and said that there was a lot of film and TV interest. And so because it was a combination of forensics and then some paranormal, uh, this is not a combination you see very often, that people found it refreshing and interesting. But the paranormal part always made me feel a little uncomfortable because I come from a science background. And so... Mm-hmm. I started as I started to write. I had to kind of keep that flavor, but I was so uncomfortable. Little by little, I tried to wean away from that aspect and get more into the forensics and the science base. But I'm kind of stuck because there's a character in it called Grandma O, uh, Grandma Ustalet. She's a big old Cajun woman who runs Roussard's favorite restaurant, where he eats at least once a day, and she uh, runs. Uh, an iron restaurant where if you order something, you better eat all of it, or you have to explain to her why not. So, uh, and she <laughs> doesn't mind uh, giving you advice, and she sometimes gives you advice that doesn't isn't really based on any science, but what she knows turns out to be true. And so Broussard has learned over the years that if she calls him and and tells him he better watch out, as she does in this book, that there's a couple of people he's been worried about. And she just calls him one night and says, and she doesn't know about this. She said, uh, you've been worrying about some people. I think you better check on them tonight. And so uh, he gets in his car and goes over to check on them because she's been right about things in the past. And so I'm stuck with that because that's who she is. And, and I yeah. have used that in all the books. But the stories themselves have become less and less paranormal-based. But it was interesting. There was a... a an interviewer, uh, a reviewer for Library Journal, who really liked the the paranormal kind of horror aspect, and so the second book came out, and the the killer looked like it was a werewolf because people were being found in the streets of the French Quarter with their throats ripped out, uh, and so what, who who could be doing that? Who would do such a thing? Um, and I don't want to tell you the, the resolution of that story because I'd like for you to read the book, right. but so that was kind of going along with this paranormal aspect, possibly a werewolf, uh, a loop guru. And then the next book, there was uh, some, some horror aspects. But gradually, I'm uh, getting farther and farther away from that, but slowly. And, and the guy at Library Journal, so he likes the first one. He loves the second one. He loves the third one. And I think by the fourth one, I had kind of moved them farther away enough that all of a sudden he wrote a review that said, 
hey, what's this? He said, I was expecting uh, chicken gumbo, and I got chicken soup. <laughs> so, so he noticed. That's good. That's good. You know, and that's the one thing, and, and I was going to bring up too, because you have some great secondary characters, and you just mentioned Grandma O. But of course, you know, you have a couple others. Can can you talk about one in particular for yourself that you feel is like that character that took on a bigger persona than you thought maybe they would when you first started creating them? Which one kind of surprised you the most? Well, I think one of my favorites is, and a very useful character is Bubba Ustalet, Grandma O's grandson. He's a he uh, is a mechanic, and he keeps Broussard's fleet of T-birds running, and also runs the vehicle impoundment station for the NOPD. Uh, and he's also comic relief, and sometimes the comic relief is intended by him, and sometimes it isn't. It's just because of who he is, and he's uneducated but not dumb, and so. And there's a deep friendship between uh, Broussard and Bubba, and they have a, uh, an ongoing repartee that uh, gives me a chance to develop some humor. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll give one example away. Um, yeah. Broussard has a, a facet of his personality that if he sees a turtle crossing the road, he can't just go on. He has to stop the car, go back, pick the turtle up, and put him off to the side of the road where he's not going to get squashed. That, and that goes, you might see that scene in every book. Well, in the new book, Broussard and Bubba are on their way to um, investigate something that Broussard finds suspicious. And a uh, uh, chipmunk runs across the road and runs in front of a truck in front of them. And then when the truck goes by, there's the chipmunk lying motionless on the pavement. So Broussard stops the car and Bubba says, Oh, no, this is a bad idea. But Broussard goes back, picks up the chipmunk, brings it back to the car, and he says, look, he he's, he's, hasn't been hurt at all. And he says, this is a bad idea. He says, there's a vet just down the road about two miles. We'll just take him down there and leave him. And so Broussard puts the chipmunk uh, in the car there on the, on the little back shelf in the T-Bird, and they set off toward the, the vet. Well, about a mile later, the chipmunk, regains consciousness, realizes where he is, goes absolutely nuts, runs around the car, knocks Broussard's glasses off, uh, knocks Bubba's uh, mechanic cap off, and finally they just have to pull off the side of the road, open the door, and the chipmunk runs out and disappears into the bushes. And uh, Broussard says to Bubba, this never happened. And he says, what never happened? And Broussard says, exactly. And then exactly. later... <laughs> And then later, when when Broussard is talking to Grandma O about uh, Bubba telling her about Broussard always stopping for turtles, he said, did Bubba ever say anything about a chipmunk? She said, no. He said, good. <laughs> and that chipmunk, that chipmunk story actually happened to me. I did pick up a, a chipmunk uh, that was dazed, and I put it in the car, and it did come to life a few minutes later and absolutely go crazy in the car. Now, and so when you're sitting there and you're like, and, and you're going, you have to add kind of like a scene. I mean, how does something like that develop in your mind? Like how, you know, how does a story like that develop? It's kind of interesting. Um, you just got two friends in the car. We know where they're going. And so the question is, what are they going to talk about on the way? And so I want to accomplish some scenery. I'm going to describe some New Orleans 
surroundings to you. I want to make it seem like you're there, but I also want to explore the relationship between Broussard and Bubba. And I, I want some humor in every book. The stories are so horrible and the, the murders are so bad that you need some kind of relief. And right. often that relief comes through Bubba. So with all that in my mind, that chipmunk story came to me, and I had never written about it. So I thought, well, this will be the perfect story. And I like perfect the way it's bring it out. And now, of course, when people go to your website at dondonaldson.com again, um, and they're going to also notice that you, you know, you've written some medical thrillers, and then of course you have your New England, you know, your New Orleans forensic mysteries. So, as we kind of wrap up to the end here, what do you got? What do you got next? You know, what's what do you got coming down to the pike? I'm sure you know your medical thriller readers are like, we want some more of that, and then the forensic ones are like, no, we need to have book nine. So, what are you gonna? What do you have working on? All right, here's a problem. The next book, and it's already at the publisher. Uh-oh. We've already got the cover for it, and it's a it's a paranormal standalone mystery. Oh, you're gonna piss everyone off then? Yeah, okay. probably so. Uh, because I found that the people the people who love uh, Andy and Kit, they seem reluctant to want to follow me to the medical thrillers, and so I'm gonna have to put a plea on my Facebook page to give this book a chance because uh, this is a story that I've carried around inside me for at least 10 years. And I, every time I've told it to people and I've told it, I bet I've told it 20 times. And when I get to the ending, I get a chill every single time. And I thought, I've just, yeah. I've just got to write this thing. In fact, a, a writer that I met, a famous romance writer, I told her the story and she said, you have to stop everything you're doing right now and write that story because it's magical. And I didn't stop. I did other things. But finally the time came when I wanted to get it out. And so it's uh, the title of it is Garden of the Lost. Very cool. Very cool. And but so the I'm, best place for I'm people worried. to find... I'm worried about it because uh, I don't know how my fans are going to take it. Well, you know what? But an author's got to write. And I've said this many times, that if you're a fan of the author and you're a fan of what he writes... Then, or you know what he or she writes, then you need to trust them, and what they give you is going to be that same. It might not be the same, you know, characters. It might not be the same kind of plot line or whatnot, but it's still going to be that same great writing and the same storytelling and the same basis of how you're going to do it. It's just you know different characters. It's different people to get to know. So I think that that's great. Um, well, is DonDonaldson.com the best place for? for people to find out about all your information, too, about where you're going to be and all your social media. Right. Great. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, it's been fascinating to speak with you, Don. I want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this Again, this is the first time we've been able to connect, and we didn't even really get into any of the medical stuff that you have. But uh, real quick, do you want to kind of, you know, for people who, you know, are just finding out maybe that you have medical things, too, um, you know, give them like, what was the last uh, when did you what was it the memory thief was that your last book in that in that uh, genre? Trying to though the last one was uh, trying to think uh, what the last one was. Uh, after you write so many books, you kind of lose track. I know. Um, and and we had Judas we had reissued all the medical thrillers were just recently reissued. Some of them with new titles, so that's kind of made things. Oh, confusing. that screws everything up. 
<laughs> and maybe that wasn't a good idea, but they were trying to rebrand them and make them all have sure. similar sounding titles. I don't know if that was a success or not. Maybe not a good idea. Oh, well, idea. shit. Everybody, just go on DonDonaldson.com, look medical thrillers, and then read all the freaking books, and don't even worry about what the names <laughs> of them are right now. <laughs> So, hey, so we want to thank you again for coming on. It's been a pleasure, and, uh, you know, we will talk with you soon. So thanks so much. Thank you. All right, have a good one. So, again, everybody, that is author Don D.J. Donaldson, because he has Don Donaldson as his medical thriller, and then D.J. Donaldson is where you will find his New Orleans forensic mysteries, and the latest book in that is called Assassination at Bayou Sauvage. It is book eight in his Broussard and Franklin series, so make sure you check that out. You have a lot of fascinating um, – it's, it's a fascinating read, so make sure that you jump into that series and, and figure out you know, what Don's got going on there because I, I think that you'll really enjoy having him on your bookshelf. We're going to take a short break, and again, we're going to be back with author uh, Stacey Green for her book, Killing Kate, and we will see you all in just a second. So in the meantime, we will let you listen to this. Welcome back, everybody, here after the break. We are still waiting on uh, Stacy to give us a call. I'm not sure. This was, again, a reschedule from the last time that I screwed up, so maybe that got screwed up on that end. Uh, not exactly sure, um, but hopefully she'll be calling in soon. Uh, and if she doesn't, then we'll just have to reschedule again. It's perfectly all right. I mean, uh, that was the first time we talked to Don Donaldson, which was uh, fascinating. I, I, I'd never, I, I had no idea. Um, sometimes, you know, you just kind of read the books, but you don't, when you're able to talk to the author, you're like, wow, you know, fascinating person. And you kind of understand, you know, the, the kind of books that they, that they give you is actually, um, you know, it's like themselves in the books, which I think is really good. If you guys didn't hear our last Beyond the Cover, uh, I, it was kind of a little different one because my, I just had a granddaughter that was born. And so uh, 
Jeff went ahead and kind of did the show on his own. I kind of chimed in here and there. I was more behind the scenes producing because she was over, and I didn't know if she was going to cry. I didn't want to have that kind of go on the air. So I was like, oh, you know, uh, I'll just kind of sit back and relax. But it was with author Matthew Riley. And if you don't know who uh, Matthew Riley is, um, you really have to jump into his series, especially if you like action and adventure. I mean, Jeff has read, you know, as many books as anybody that I know of. And when he says he's one of the best action writers he's ever read ever, that's massive, massive praise. So he's definitely somebody that you need to, you know, uh, get involved with and and jump in. And his latest book is uh, The Four Legendary Kingdoms. And I know that his one book, which is Jurassic Park for Dragons, The Great Zoo of China, is just uh, absolutely fabulous book. So make sure you can go back and listen to that um, and you can listen to you know that episode and, and get more in depth with Matthew Riley. I don't think Stacy's going to make it. So what we're going to do is you know other than the show now, I'm not going to sit here and talk for a half hour about stuff that I can just make up, try to make up off my head. I don't think that that's very entertaining, first of all, and that's okay. Um, so I want to thank everybody again. Make sure you check out SuspenseMagazine.com. I'm putting up new book reviews all the time. I'm trying to you know, do more and more and more and more and more, taking a lot of these book reviews and things, some of them that don't make the magazine, some that do make the magazine and bring them out. So you guys have like a really good, um, you know, catalog of, of finding new authors when you're sitting back and you're like, oh, I'm not sure who to read. Go to the website, click on book reviews. You know, the, there's anything from cozies to horror. So you can find something, you know, read read the reviews that we put out there. If we, we call them reviews, but we don't write bad reviews. If we can't review a book, we just don't review it. If we think it's horrid or we don't like it, we just simply don't write anything because I don't think that that's a good responsible way to kind of do journalism is to always write negative things. Some people do, some people don't. I'm not in that realm. So basically we call it reviews, but it's book recommendations. If you see it on our site, that means it's a book that we recommend that you get involved in and that you read. So we try to make it really easy. So you can look and you kind of see what we say about it, and then you can click on it and you can get more information and see if it's, you know, something that's in your wheelhouse. You know, jump outside. Do a little something different. Don't just, you know, if you're just reading cozies, jump outside and read something a little different. Or if you're just reading, you know, straight, uh, you know, military thrillers, jump outside. Do something new. You know, uh, explore. A lot of great authors with a lot of great stories. So make sure you do that. But other than that, everyone, again, thank you all for joining us, and we will see you all next time. So make sure we have Inside Thrill Radio. I know coming up Wednesday, I'm going to do a double header here with um, the Story Blender. I'm a little behind on uh, one of the shows. I'm going to do a double header um, Story Blender, so you're going to have two hours of the Story Blender coming up. And hopefully I'm going to get that done tomorrow, and I'll do two hours of the Story Blender, so you'll be able to get involved in that. So anyway, thanks again so much, everybody. Enjoy, and we will see you all next time. So make sure you keep reading. See ya.